For this episode, I'm actually going to start with prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I want to thank you for the gift of this opportunity to share the story of how you brought about our house and the impossibilities, the crazy elements. Um, but most importantly, um, I'm excited to share because I know you are trying to do something here. And so I pray that you would protect me as I record from any distractions, from anything that would try to keep me from telling this story. I pray for your words and not mine. I pray that you would guide my eyes, my thoughts to the things that you want shared. And all of us, not so that I can have a great podcast episode, but so that you would be glorified and that your goodness would be heard. Let's pray in most holy name. Amen. All right, so the reason that I wanted to start with prayer is because I feel like this is going to be a really important episode, maybe not for you, but definitely for me. And I have already had a load of distractions and obstacles come up. Everything from not being able to get 10 seconds in recording without messing up a word or saying something in a way that I didn't want to say it and having to stop and then start and stop and start to even things like I printed out a document and it inexplicably, it printed double-sided, but side one is page one, side two is page four, the next page is two and nothing on the back, then the third sheet is page three with page six on the back, page five comes on the next sheet, and on the back of that is page eight, then comes page seven, or sheet, yeah, page seven on the next sheet with nine on the back four yeah four was back on the other side of page one so all that to say there are obstacles and distractions to me telling this story so why in the world am i even bother telling this story well in previous episodes i've mentioned that i've been in some challenging spaces and been working through a lot of things and it's been hard and there have been moments where i would sit on my porch or by my fire pit or just laying on the sofa in the house thinking of all the hard things and there's a moment where I am distracted from the hard things by noticing something about our house and I'm reminded about the story of how we came to be in that house and how much it was a visible and powerful display of God's power and of God's goodness but also of how much God wants to provide good things and I felt like what God was saying to me is, Paul, you are starting to doubt in this season. You are starting to question my power and goodness. You are starting to get caught up in the logistics and the struggles. And you were forgetting that I have shown you my power and goodness through this house that you were sitting in. You were forgetting that I brought you some, through some impossible things. And so I'm going to need you to just go back to that story and sit in it for a little bit so that you can remember. So that's why this episode is important. Again, it might not be important for you, but for me, this is pushing me to go back and remember who God was and then remind myself that God never changes. So who he was then, he is today. So this episode is called The Crazy Prayer Thing because on September 30th of 2016, I posted on Facebook, if you like praying for crazy things, Becca and I are entertaining a crazy thing that could only come about if God was like, check this out. And that crazy thing was this house, this house that we were not seeking, that I didn't even want, that God said, hey, I want you to enter the process. So thank you for joining us 
for episode five of the Where Did You See God podcast. So I mentioned that I had printed out a document that was nine pages long that was spread randomly across all the sheets. And that document is actually a collection of of timeline moments, but more importantly, kingdom moments or Kairos moments. You may remember in episode two, when Doug and I were talking, uh, that he shared that it can be really valuable to write down Kairos or kingdom moments. Moments where we feel like God is intersecting with our lives in some way, whether it be small or large, whether it be clear or vague, whether it be joyous or sorrowful. Moments where we feel like God is saying or doing something. And we write them down so that we can learn to recognize those subtleties of God, press into them, and learn to actually hear his voice. So one of the things I am so grateful for is that God pushed me to record those moments. And I have nine pages, single space, of bullet points, of moments throughout the process. And here's the thing. This story is a crazy story, and I don't know the best way to tell it. Uh, So I'm going to move forward uh, with one approach and hope it is the best. And here's what's going to happen. I have highlighted moments within these nine sheets that I'm just going to go through. I may read verbatim. I may... Uh, sum them up. I may go down a rabbit hole at some point, and I'm going to let the spirit lead as it leads. And I've also invited um, some key players to share their voices, uh, which will be scattered throughout the episode. So so just to kind of get us started, um, coming into the summer of 2016, here here's where we were. Uh, I had been living in Churchill for eight years, and I had come to really love our home and our community. Um, And the reason that's important to name is because that came after wrestling through um, a lot of hard things, including many of our close friends moving out of the community for various reasons. Uh, It came after seeing our friends move into these large houses uh, or, or large tracts of land. And I grew up in the country. And, and so there were times where it had been hard for me to know that as much as I loved exploring the woods on the 10 acres we lived on, my son only had less than a tenth of an acre to explore. Um, but I had worked through a lot of things and gotten to a place where I was committed to our home on Fairmount Avenue. Um, my wife was also going through that process, and we were not going through it on the same timeline. And so as I had grown in my resolve to stay, she was still working through if she wanted to stay or if it was time for us to move out of Churchill. Uh, And it was a place of tension. Um, And I actually had to tell her, hey, you can look at houses, you just can't show me because it's starting to really frustrate me. Uh, And and she honored that. And we had a number of conversations. um, And and coming into, um, you know, starting to get to the mid of the summer, um, Becca was actually looking at some houses in the community. And there's actually one that uh, had caught her eye because she saw a for sale sign. And it was a house uh, on the corner of 20th and R Street, this, this beautiful big house with this huge, massive yard um, that we had passed many, many times over the years. Uh, when we would take walks, we would sometimes go down that street and we would see it. 
And uh, Becca had started to joke at one point that that would be her dream house. If we moved somewhere else in the neighborhood, she would love to move into that house. And both of us really didn't think that was going to happen, didn't think that was realistic. But we did have a strong sense that God wanted to do something with that house. Like that was very clear to us. And we could think about it logistically. I mean, the house was large enough that it would be a great site for something like the Time Chat was doing a lot of its tutoring in homes. And we're like, man, that would be an incredible tutoring site. We saw the front yard and be like, man, somebody could put a, a play set in that front yard. And it would be just a great spot for neighbors to come together, um, for your kids to play, for cookouts. And so we always knew that God, we just felt strongly that God was going to do something in that home. We just didn't think it would be us. Well, Becca sees a for sale sign. She tries calling. She gets no response. She tries calling again. She gets no response. And finally, we just realize, look, we don't have the money. At the time, we were operating in the red. We could not even consider a significant change like upgrading our house. And so we finally, coming into the end of the summer, we come to an agreement that our home is a, it was a gift from God, that we didn't need to move or upgrade or anything like that, um, and that that we we could be content where we were. Well, then the late summer comes. Becca's going for a walk, and she runs into, for the first time, somebody outside that house. Now, here's the thing. We had assumed the house was vacant because it looked like the windows were boarded up, um, but it turns out there was a guy that was actually living there, and I'm going to call him Terry in this story. Becky meets, Becca meets him, and she starts talking to him, and she asks about the price, and the price is like easily over 100000 more than it should have been, and he is pretty firm about that, and she says there's really no way we could do that, and he says, well, I'll talk to the realtor. Um, we come to learn later when we're talking to people that we weren't the only ones that had asked about that price. Our friend Murray, years ago, had asked um, Terry when he saw him about the price and he's like, Hey, how, how much uh, are you selling the house for? Cause it had been listed for years. And Terry says a million dollars and Murray laughs and Terry does not. And Murray realized that Terry was serious. Uh, later, our friend, Chris Whiting, he asked, Terry had gotten a little more realistic, brought the price down to 500,000. Uh, and then Chris walked away. And, and here's the thing, just for a comparative point, because housing prices, depending on where you are right now, it doesn't really mean much to give you a specific number, so I won't throughout this episode, but I will say this, where, where we are, and at that time, in 2016, um, a house was going for around 150000 and he was trying to sell it for $500,000. Uh, it did have a bigger yard, it was a large house, but it also had significant work that needed to be done. So... We just knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, then September 15th, the realtor calls. And we decided to do a walkthrough. Now, I'm, I am in no way interested in buying the house. It is not even possible for us. We do not have the money. There's just no way. But I do want to see what it looks like on the inside. So I agreed to a walkthrough. And we walked through. And we left pretty can just... We were, we were comfortable saying we were not going to buy that house. And, and one of the big reasons was... I mentioned that it looked like the windows had been boarded up, uh, but what it was is Terry uh, was really disconnected, it seemed, from the community. So he had bars on the window. He had plexiglass then covering the windows. And then on the inside, he had uh, brown butcher paper covering every single one of the windows. And so when we walked in, it was dark. It was dusty. The walls 
had stains and writing on them, and it just did not feel comfortable. It did not feel like a home. Becca, for all her excitement in the house, saw it and was like, yep, nope. Um, So it was cool to see it. We left, and we were like, yep, we're not buying this house. Then something interesting happened. Uh, I found that the house would not leave my mind. I found myself on my way to work detouring a couple extra blocks to drive by, and I didn't know why. I found myself praying about the house. And eventually I found myself starting to fast because I felt like God was doing something. And here's what it was. I felt like God was saying to me, Paul, I want you and Becca to enter the process for this house, but I'm not promising you're going to get the house. I just want you to enter the process and just trust me in it. Y'all, that's a crazy thing. Because that's a big deal to enter the the process for pursuing a house, entering contracts, and, and all the money that goes into that. It's a crazy thing to do if you don't even want to move and you're not even sure you could even get the house. But it was very clear to me that that's what God was saying to do. And so we started talking about it, starting praying about it. Well, one of the things we knew really early on is, again, that we did not have the, the finances for it. Um, at the time, Becca was working part-time and didn't have plans to stop um, anytime soon. And then on September 20th, something crazy happened. Two people reached out to Becca about the director position at Tiny Tykes Preschool. Now, Becca had worked there as a teacher briefly um, a couple years before. She loved Tiny Tykes. Uh, Our son was going to Tiny Tykes. And if there was any job that Becca would be open to leaving her part-time arrangement for and going in full-time, that would be it. Suddenly, where we did not have the finances, there was a prospect that would have helped us to get a little closer. We had already known about the many, many impossibilities of us ever being able to get this house. But this potential job was one of the first real practical moments of God showing his power and goodness. Whereas we didn't see a way forward, God's like, oh, yeah, but you didn't know about this job. And there was going to be many, many more moments, many more impossible moments but also many more moments where God showed up in a way that we couldn't have expected. I'm not going to be able to tell all of them today, but listen for them. Another one came up September 24th. Uh, We have some good friends, the McCabes, and we hadn't spent uh, much time with them in a long time. And and it kind of came out of nowhere, but we decided, I don't know who reached out to who, but we decided we should hang out. So we went to Maymont Park and we're just talking. And at one point, uh, Allison starts talking about how she had just gotten her real estate agent license and was about to start really pressing into being a, um, just an agent on her own. Uh, and so <laughs> that led very naturally into our conversation about us looking at this house. And what we said to them is, it's a great house, but it's way overpriced. It could not happen unless God did something big. And Allison is really intrigued. And so she asks if she can look into some things because she knows some resources. So I'm going to go ahead and my first ever advertising moment on uh, the Where Did You See God podcast is if you or anyone you know is looking to buy or sell a house, you need to reach out to Allison Snow McCabe. Um, her number is 804-380-3694. She's also on Facebook under Allison Snow McCabe. 
Richmond Real Estate, you can find that number and an email address there. Um, because throughout this story, um, you're going to hear a lot about Allison and she, God used her in some amazing ways throughout this process. We would never have been able to navigate this without Allison. Um, and so there's my plug. If you're buying or selling, talk to her now. So, um, you know, we keep on thinking about this. We keep on realizing there's just no real clear way forward. So there's nothing we can actually do except for just say, okay, God, what are you doing? We're at the table. Tell us what to do next. Um, uh, pastor Don Coleman, who is a spiritual father to me and, and a pastor at our church, Easton Fellowship, um, he is really excited about this idea. And, and he later tells Becca that he had a vision about our home. And he said that in this vision, he was giving a tour to somebody and there was a playground in the front yard and the person saw it and said, oh, hey, is this a ministry? And then Don just smiled and said, no, this is just a family in their home. And the reason he smiled is he felt like it was a picture of how we all should be engaging community, that ministry shouldn't be a job that we have, but that our lives are ministries to those around us. So like I mentioned, uh, September 30th, I posted on Facebook and invited people to pray, but I kept it vague, didn't say it was about a house. And a lot of people got excited about praying into this vagueness and being a part of the story. Um, then things got crazy. October 3rd, I realized that God is definitely doing something. I don't know what he's doing, and I don't know how to move forward. So I make it a very intentional move to pray and fast. Uh, and it was actually coordinated around when Becca was going to be out of town for a few days. So October 3rd, I jump in into some serious prayer. And then October 5th, and out of nowhere, um, we suddenly are, are uh, blessed with some resources. I'm keeping it vague, but blessed with some resources that suddenly make the house within the realm of possibility. Came out of nowhere, did not expect it, and it was a huge moment of, oh my goodness, God can do this. So suddenly we're like, okay, um, let's get a little more serious about looking at options. We realized that in order for any of this to work, logistically, we would have to probably sell our house and we would have to sell it for a certain amount, which was higher than things were going for at the time. And we would have to buy this house at no more than $100,000 less than what they were listing it for and what Terry was very firmly saying it would be. And <laughs> there's just no way. Like, we knew Terry wouldn't come down. Uh, and even though some things were more possible, we knew that things were no more attainable by our own means. We do another walkthrough. Fortunately uh, for Terry, he rolls up the butcher paper and lets in the natural light. And let me tell you something about this house, y'all. It has the most windows of any house in Churchill, I believe. <laughs> I mean, it is covered in windows and does not have any buildings on any side of it. And so natural light... It just fills the house when the windows aren't blocked. So that was a good move. Suddenly we're like, oh, this is actually a really pretty house. Um, so we keep on engaging as best we can. And then finally, October 18th, we decide let's, let's actually enter the process. We ask Allison to represent us, and she jumps right into it. Um, well, meanwhile, I've, I've walked through this house a few times. I've seen a lot of the issues, and I realize... If there's anywhere, like no matter what price we get it for, we're going to have to drop a lot of money that we don't have on repairs, 
most of which we won't see. There's a lot of electrical issues that I knew about. There was a lot of plumbing issues that I knew about. And there was a kitchen that had to be completely redone. Um, the cabinets were broken, fallen off the walls. Well, there's this moment where I'm sitting and I'm thinking about all that, in particular about the kitchen. And I suddenly remember an email that I had seen in August. Remember, this is October. I'm thinking about an email I saw two months before where someone had mentioned that some friends of ours, uh, Rob and Kathy, were about to do a renovation and they were going to be getting rid of a lot of things. And so I knew it was like rugs and things like that. But I was like, maybe they have something we could use. But it's been two months. Surely they've given everything away. So I reached out and I was like, hey, long shot. Here's what we're looking at. Wanted to see if you had anything. And Kathy responds with excitement. She says, actually, we still have all the cabinets, the granite countertops. We have appliances. We have a lot of other things that you could possibly use. I mean, we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in, in value for us in this process. And we're like, this is crazy. And she's willing to hold it for us until January. Y'all, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Now, while our initial plan was to sell our house in order to buy the new one, uh, we also were open to renting, but there's just a lot of elements to that that made it tricky. And yet, God brought Daniel and Anna Payne to our minds. Um, the Paynes are good friends of ours. And I had known from talking to Daniel in the summer that they had felt this nudge to move, but they hadn't been able to find anywhere they could afford. Uh, and they wanted to move into a larger space so that they could open their home. Um this randomly came to my mind uh, in the fall, and then we randomly ran into them at Carter Mountain. It was not planned. We were about to leave, and suddenly the pains came up. We start talking, and somehow the conversation very organically goes uh, to the house. And we suddenly realize in talking to them that this could actually be an option. Um, their situation, the way their lease worked, this could actually work. The amount of rent that they could possibly do and where we could come down to, like it, it could all work. We're like, well, this is crazy. And here's something important to note. Um, we were very focused on our story, what God was doing. And the truth is, is while God is doing a work in us, he is often simultaneously doing a work in others. That he is simultaneously creating a story for others that then intersect. We didn't know it, but God was actually doing a story in the pain's lives. About November, December of 2016, um, Anna and I just all of a sudden got like this sense that something wasn't right uh, with us in Easton Fellowship. And we weren't like, nothing had happened like that was bad, but we were just like, something's not right um, for us. And so um, as we kind of tried to discern through that, like we actually at first kind of incorrectly discerned that like we thought God was calling us to, to move and also um, to to find a different church, and, and we were kind of like, sure, but we didn't really know why, and we talked to, um, to friends about that, and didn't really know, like, what that meant, and, but we were kind of like, this is what God's, you know, might be calling us to do, and so, um, I remember I went to, to meet um, with Doug, because I just wanted to, like, share some of these things with him, um, and the kind of had left, like, I told him, like, yeah, I'm going to go talk, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to let him know that I think we're, God's calling us um, somewhere else, and when I got back to Anna, like, then I was like, yeah, I think God's calling us to start a house church at Easton Fellowship. You <laughs> that sense and I remember I went home and I wrote um, 
in, in my journal, and I'm not a journal, like I had the journal I had done there, I've had since I first started coming to Easton in 2011. Like that's how I'm like, <laughs> and so usually like, and I just like, God called me to write some stuff down. And I remember writing something like, God, I feel like God's giving me a prophetic word. He's asking us to start a house church um, with our friends, the Plumleys, and we're gonna meet in Paul and Becca Granger's house. And they won't be there. <laughs> Not that they weren't invited, just it was gonna be You know, I know y'all. A lot of us have, have heard um, Paul at Plumbeck's story with, with their house. And at this point, it wasn't. This was like the fall of 2016. So things were had started moving along, but really, like Paul and I's conversation had been like, "Hey, and if we move, like maybe you guys can move it." Like that was literally all that had happened. It wasn't any conversation we'd had. Um, and it was this kind of thing where I wrote this down, and I remember like sharing this with Anna, and then sharing it with, with the Plumleys, and. Yeah, it's, it's weird because like I remember even talking to Charlie Tsai, like I thought you guys said you were leave like it seems weird that you're like all of a sudden trying to stay. So we leave that conversation with the pains kind of excited because God is reminding us that if he wants to do something, he can do it, that he has ways that are not our ways. So we meet with Allison on October 25th and we're about to write up a contract and and honestly, Becca and I are a little concerned because we know that the price that we can do, like our max of what we could even conceivably do if all the factors came together, was $100,000 less than where Terry had landed and where he was unwilling to budge from. And we feel like Allison is probably going to say, hey, you know, there's no way to come down $100,000. Like, it's just not going to happen. So you're going to need to be here. And we would have to tell her we just can't do it. Well, Allison has already looked up some comparables, has drawn up some numbers, uh, and has determined that based on how other houses have been selling, uh, there is just no way that <laughs> the price that Terry had listed was justifiable. And she actually came up with a price that was like $15,000 less than our max. Um, and the reason she did that is because, uh, you know, one of, one of the comparables was a house... Uh, of fr some friends of ours that had um, recently been renovated and was like just beautifully done and everything like the kitchen was amazing. And so there, if based on the cost per square foot, their house would go right now if it was selling for almost $100,000 less than what Terry was asking. And so she comes up with thing, a price. We feel like it's good. We do another walkthrough so that Allison can see it. On October 27th, Allison talks to the, the realtor, the real estate agent. Um, they go over the pros and the cons. They go over the comparables. Um, Allison's expecting some pushback. But unexpectedly, uh, the real estate agent says, I'd hoped the offer would be higher, but it seems fair. So we're optimistic. That night, we get a call. Uh, and they came back with a counteroffer. Instead of coming down $100,000 or more, they only came down $25,000. So it's still easily, it's still almost $100,000 more than what our offer was. <laughs> we're disappointed. We're not surprised. We remain firm in our belief that God can do what he wants. And in fact, it seemed to make it all the more powerful because if God gave us a house, it would be clearly him because this was just impossible. It, it, it reminds me at the time of 1 Samuel 7 where the Israelites were trying to seek God and the Philistines kept 
advancing against them. And no matter how hard they sought God, it seemed to get worse and worse until God thundered and destroyed the army. And so we're hoping for thunder. We pray for wisdom. We pray for the sellers. It's about this time that God shows us again that we aren't the only ones that are a part of this story. Many of you know Mary Thompson, and if you don't know her, you need to get to know her. Um, Mrs. Thompson has been an important part of this community for so long. And she, 25 years ago, started a civic association called New Visions. And I came to learn that New Visions used to meet in a church that is catty corner to the house. And that Miss Thompson would walk out from that church and see the house and would pray for that house. Like 10 years ago or more, she had been praying for that house. So Miss Thompson was at the table and a part of this process long before we were. And when she heard that we were thinking of buying it, she got really excited and she actually asked if she, should, if she could draft a letter that we would then send to the seller um, to help to bring down the price. Good morning. My name is Mary W. Thompson and uh, I live in the Fairmount area. I've been a resident for 66 years, soon to be 67 years. And um, since I've been here, many things have happened in my life, but I look back on it now and I deem it as a blessing. Well, one of the things I really appreciate about you uh, is just your role in the story of our house. And so, I mean, you, you were, I mean, you're the start of the story in a lot of ways because of all the people that I know that have been looking at that house and praying for that house, you beat them all. I mean, you were praying like 10 years ago. So tell me about that. Well, what see, was... I got my prayer in around 1993 <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. when New Visions uh, organization was formed. And uh, as, as we left the meeting one Saturday, and we were doing, of course, we were doing a lot of revitalization in the community. And that house was just there, dormant, nothing happening there. But I remembered when persons lived in that house, and also behind that house is another little small structure. And I always have envisioned in my mind how that little structure could really become something of the community. But my love was for the house. And uh, I even just whispered to God in my heart, we, I certainly would love to have that house for the community. Didn't know which way God was going to move that prayer, but I always have known that that house was going to be something in the community. But as it just lied there dormant, I never gave up on it. Because every time I would go to my meetings or move that way when I was driving past that house, I'd always would just say a prayer, God, you know, you know. I didn't know, but he knew. Mm-hmm. And y'all were meeting Caddy Corner in a little right. church. And so you saw that house a lot. And, I did. And you had, it was like God was calling you into one of those challenging places in prayer where the answer to that prayer is a long way off and you got to be patient. And that's right. That's right. So we're excited because we have the prayer warrior, Mary Thompson, on our side and simultaneously the president of New Vision Civic Association ready to go to bat, write a letter and call out that high price. 
Then we get hit with another impossibility. I find out that the building behind the house, which is part of the property that was in really rough shape, had been a dry cleaners at one point. And when I was talking to a friend who knows about these things, his, he hung his head and said, y'all might be in trouble because you might need to get an environmental site assessment because dry cleaners back in the day were notorious for just pouring chemicals outside the building into the ground. You might have some really serious issues. I start going down the rabbit hole online and realize this is going to be expensive. This could actually shut things down. And Allison says that she needs to talk uh, to the sellers about that. So at this point, they had made a counteroffer. It was just way too far out of reach and way too unacceptable. The real estate agent says that the seller, who we learn wasn't Terry, but his mom, who we'll call Mrs. Barnes, um, is starting to get a little frustrated and isn't interested in separating out this building that used to be a dry cleaners, wants to sell it all. And she says, just tell them to make a counteroffer. We get to November 6th. The real estate agent calls uh, Allison on a Sunday and she says, I've been doing a lot of talking, a lot of talking. Do do you think they could come up just a little bit more? I, I think we can make this work. So we talk about it and we do that. We come up a little bit more. It's still extremely generous for what the house is worth and how much work needs to go into it. It's more than we can do. We don't know how it's going to work, but we chalk it up to be an investment for the community. On November 8th, the real estate agent comes back with a price that is about $100,000 less than the original uh, selling price. We're shocked. It's still high. It's still higher than our counteroffer. It's still uh, $10,000 more than what our original max were. So it's a big deal that they came down, but at this point, Becca and I are, are, aren't completely in agreement with what to do. Um, do we you know, bend a little bit on what our max was and trust that God will provide it? It's still probably $50,000 more than what the houses actually work. Do we draw a hard line? Um, now, at this point, Becca had decided to accept the Tiny Tykes job uh, at the preschool, and so we're going to have a little more work, money to work with. We run some numbers, we find some numbers that could work, that we could push, but we're still not sure. Meanwhile, we're trying to refinance our other house, uh, and we're running into all kinds of barriers there. Um, We're starting to find these moments of tension. We're not sure what to do. So basically, as God keeps on showing up, these impossibilities keep showing up as well. I start to find out on November 10th, Uh, that the environmental site assessment is going to be expensive if we have to do it. We have some friends that reach out that might be able to find um, some ways to work on the price, find some discounts, maybe find some grants. They're willing to do some research. So that's encouraging. Um, And so we decide, you know what, Let's, let's, let's do this. So November 11th, it becomes official. We accept their offer, which is still more than we want to do but we're trusting that God will show up and we're kind of banking on them going about this as you normally do, that when we do the inspection and the inspection shows definitively all the things we're saying, that they'll come down to a more realistic price. We're banking on that. More things happen. Uh, Refinance still struggles. We keep on finding out things. And then December 4th, we officially go under contract. And at this point, the inspection is going to be set. Um, It happens on the 8th, and we find out something that's not surprising, but it's heartbreaking. The house needs a tremendous amount of work. 
And most of the issues are actually a result of work that Terry had done himself. He hadn't done the plumbing right. He hadn't done the electrical right. He had added some additions that he didn't do right. And the inspector is looking around. He's like, look, you could be looking at fifty to $100,000 in renovations. Let me just remind you, we don't even have the money to meet <laughs> what the actual agreed upon price is. We're banking on it going down much less money for renovations. And those aren't even the fun renovations. Those are the renovations that you don't see. Uh, on December 12th, our mortgage guy is starting to get a little concerned and he starts saying that it, the bank likely won't make a loan for a house that has structural or safety issues, um, of which the inspector found both in some places. And he says, unless the seller fixes the issues, they might not even give you the loan. So now it's not even an issue of us deciding whether to step on a faith. The bank may shut it down. Um, so we, we let the seller know. And Mrs. Barnes, she draws a line in the sand. She is refusing to make any repairs. She is refusing to lower the price. Um, and my heart breaks. I remember this night we, we were at... Uh, a friend's house for a missional community they were having there. And I remember I got the call and I stepped outside. Um, and Allison told me that there's just, Miss Barnes wasn't going to budge. And I knew we couldn't afford it. I knew the repairs may be just destructive if we stepped into them. And it hit me hard. And it was the first time I cried in the midst of the process. It was an impossible, impossible situation. And that's the end of the story. But of course, you know that isn't true. But it was an important part of our story, that part where everything seemed lost, everything seemed hopeless, and I had nothing left to give. I had already grown exhausted from all the research I had done and all the negotiating I had done. I did not see a way forward, but I knew that we served a God who was God and a God who was good. And he could make a way in this impossible situation that would be abundantly more than anything we can ask or think. So in part two of this episode, we're going to learn how God did just that. So stay tuned for the next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God? <laughs>